Welcome to Doxed, the podcast. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we're about half. We're not even halfway through. Okay. We're not even halfway through. <laughs> oh my god. One taste employed a lot of people who hadn't really gone into their careers yet. People were jumping at the chance to be working at a startup about sex. People were waking up at 7.30, going to Ohms, going to the staff meeting right after that. There was no boundary between work and the other things we did. When I was hired, I was told that I would get 20% of the revenue that the New York branch made, which was a lot of money at the time. It seemed like an obscene amount of money to be getting paid. One Taste New York was bringing in ten dollars to $20,000 a day sometimes. So like, that was like a huge amount of money. Um, later I found out, like, no, no, it was actually 20% split up amongst five people. Later it was oh, 20%, but only if you help with a certain sale. Like, it kept changing, and every time I asked what our compensation was, I got a different answer, and sometimes it get flipped back on me like I was being a jerk for asking about money or being money-focused. I was told to ohm with people when we would have arguments. It was this very like deep part of the philosophy that if you're not getting along with someone or if someone constantly rubs you the wrong way, then you're supposed to fuck them. Um, Did yeah. you have to do that? I felt like if I didn't, I wouldn't be important and I wouldn't get attention. And I was very much wanting to be higher, like management level at one taste. So there was that period of time where I did things that were suggested. It was operating in a sphere of such unusual interpersonal dynamics, right? So usually the relationship between you and your manager is not one where your manager's gonna tell you who to have sex with. Yeah, there's an adage in one taste, when the sensation is high, you can either fuck or fight. And one time I had this tension with one of my coworkers and uh, Rachel said something like, all right, like this, like, no, we're not, we're not doing this. You guys go have sex and don't come back into work until you've done it. She and I like walked out. Uh, we were both looking at each other like, is this, like, this is really strange. Like, is this okay? Like our employer is telling us to have sex. It was also part of one taste culture that you were encouraged to do emotionally challenging things or uncomfortable things for your growth. So this was like, uh, yeah, we, we had this very awkward sexual experience and then went back to work and that was that. Okay. Yeah. Oh my God. So that is horrible. Apparently the culture is that you have to have sex with people if you're not getting along with them. And then she, this woman is just describing how she absolutely did things she was not comfortable doing. To keep her job. And I guess they work together and live together? Mm-hmm. Is the employment separate from, like, the community living? Probably not. I mean, in our Illuminati episode, I was, we were talking about like company towns and it's like that, you know, it's like everything's connected. Like who's deciding whether to raise the rent or whatever, you know? Yeah. Except for plus sex and no boundaries between work and not work, which is the first thing they said. Yeah. And yes, that sounds like she described rape by coercion. Ugh. Oh my God. 
God. Uh, uh, it just sounds so criminal and so illegal on so many levels. And it makes me mad that they're raking in 20k a day and that was just one location. It, and I... It doesn't really sound like they were getting paid or that pay was a stable thing that they could rely on. Not that that makes anything better, but It's almost like a it's almost like a love bombing amount of money too yeah. to just come in and be like here's all the money in the world so you'll never have to think about money again like is that going to keep flowing forever or are you doing that so now I'm like attached to this idea that I can just make big money really quick or whatever Oh, how gross. yeah the, the look on that woman's face when they asked her if she ever did anything she didn't want to do oh my god So, hmm, I, I'm glitching. I can't, I can't focus. It's really, it's really, it's, it is like, sounds trite to say, but it's like triggering. It's like really triggering to, to, to understand that this kind of thing goes on and people get hurt this badly and someone just isn't, doesn't care or just did it anyway for money. I mean, it's just devastating i can't imagine having like a workplace conflict and my boss whom i'm reliant on for my livelihood says we'll just have sex with that coworker." Mm -hmm. it reminds me of like a much more extreme horrifying just just hellish version hellish version because like oh my god the ultimate the utmost like vulnerable way you could be with people that you can't trust obviously or you wouldn't be getting in conflict with them like that um right but it reminds me of this like <clears throat> very extreme version of when i was in middle school one time and i had i was again i was not like a heavily bullied kid i never like go out of school because i was so bullied or anything like but i did have there was one kid who i <laughs> I shouldn't dox the kid on the on this episode, but like he had a name of a famous author. So that's why I always remember his whole name. But anyway, he was just like a total dick to me all the time. Like one time I drew a picture in a class that we both had because it was like a creative project. And the picture was like a stylized album art of Amy Lee from Evanescence in her one thing. And she didn't have a nose in the picture because it's like a super like whitewashed, like a, a over what's the word like the brightness oversaturated over brightness thing so it's like her most mm -hmm. face is super just a white blank space anyway yeah. i like meticulously drew this thing for days and then he was like needs a nose and drew an l on it with a pencil and ruined my whole drawing so like that was the kind of bully he was so after um a couple of months of that or whatever at some point we had to go to the guidance counselor and like have a meeting with the guidance counselor because they noticed he was being a dick to me and mm -hmm. The guidance counselor, the first thing she said was, now, I know this might be uncomfortable, but is there any chance that what's happening here is that one or both of you has a crush on each other? And we both were just like, oh, my God, the fuck is wrong? <laughs> like, absolutely not. And it was what not true. And it was inappropriate of her to say so because it wasn't about that. He was being just a dick. And it wasn't because anyone had a crush. And even if they did, you don't respond to having a crush on someone by being abusive to them so don't do that and don't make it a cutesy thing guidance counselor so that all sucked and it's totally like a cultural thing where it's like yeah. oh, hold your pigtails that means he likes you that should be okay for you to just allow absolutely not 
fuck off with that energy. And then it's like times 10 million of like, oh, I guess you should just have sex with each other. Horrifying. Hellish. 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 I could not. I could not function in any capacity in a job like that. I would rather live on the street than work a job like that. Hellish. All right. Ready to go back. This is a lot of a a lot of a show. Oh my god. Are you okay? Yeah. What's your timestamp? I'm at like 56:46. We would get shamed for being a victim. She used this semantic trick of reframing to make really scary reframes. (laughs) For instance, no value judgment to rape no value judgment towards predatorial men so you know how we have the t-shirts like powered by orgasm this is our this could be our new shirt i got raped and all i got was a victim's story or it could be like um i raped someone and all i got was a perpetrator story when people are later trying to make sense of what happened to them in this group they think like well it was all my fault because I could never be a victim. I question my experience there all the time, trying to figure out what actually happened. You're always going to be a desperate slave to women. Thank you. You blink your eyes a lot because you're unwilling to put your attention on anybody but yourself. Thank you. You're inept in the cafe. Thank you. You'll never make it out of the bounds of your tight personality. Thank you. You're a bat. Thank you. There was a woman who was wanting to leave. So Nicole sent Bill and I down to go and kind of work her over and get her to stay. And uh, she was really upset. And she was just telling us that she didn't trust Nicole and that she felt like this was not the right place for her. Bill told her that uh, he thought, you know, Nicole's all about honesty. And so you should go and tell Nicole that you don't trust her. She starts telling Nicole that she doesn't trust her. Nicole starts breaking down crying. I can't believe you're gonna leave me. I can't believe you're just gonna abandon me like that. I just can't believe it. Nicole's like sobbing. This woman's like, no, 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 Nicole, I would never leave you. Okay, I'm gonna stay, I'm gonna stay. She leaves the room. Instantaneously, the tears dry. Nicole looks at us and goes, that didn't go the way you thought it was gonna go, did it? I had a regular, and he had this thing where he wanted to strangle me. His beast was locked in there and it hadn't had a a place for expression. And I just happened to love beasts. I had to surrender so deep that I could absorb him all the way in. And invariably, all of a sudden, there would hit this point and he would just start bawling. And that was all, he paid me a lot of money to just come strangle me and cry. That was it. We think they're so tough. They're just little love bugs crying. They're just our little companions that want to love us. They're just tough because they're met with fear. You know, my dad died in prison for 52 counts of child molestation. And I never took on the idea that he was a bad person. I took on the idea that he was just so expansive and fourth dimensional that he couldn't confine himself into the arbitrary laws of the third dimension. That was his only crime in my mind. Now, other people may have different ideas. 
This is nauseating. I am trying to wrap my head around the idea that as an adult, her take on her dad's sexual abuse of her as a child, am I getting this right? Is that he couldn't be contained in the 3D reality and that there's no value judgment to that? And she's like yada yada-ing the idea that other people would see that as abuse? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then encountering abuse in her career as a sex worker, she calls that alchemizing trauma. It's like, mm, that's not... That's actually... Well, that's an interesting idea. If you're talking specifically about, like, say, a BDSM kink or something, or even just, like, sex that involves violence but is consensual. Like, that's an interesting idea. <laughs> you're alchemizing trauma, maybe. But, well, you know, and we've, we've encountered this, like, question of, like, do children create their own sexual abuse? And is that, like, part, like, th there's a very... uh victim it's your it's the victim's faults mentality that goes along with a lot of white lady shaman spiritual bullshit and also mm -hmm. this lady who's obviously intersecting with that crowd mm -hmm. very victim blamey but it sounds like that's coming from something that she experienced and didn't and processed in like a very unhealthy way and obviously i mean i think it's just clear that neither of us believes that you would manifest your own abuse but like <sighs> sorry like, like which is it is it she's alchemizing trauma or she doesn't have trauma because she just chooses not to be traumatized like it can't be raped and assaulted if i just enjoy it like it doesn't make sense which is it well i almost like the way that she says it is very disturbing, but it's like adjacent to something where you can say, but the way that she, the way that she diminishes, because she said something like, uh, she's like, we should make teach that she said some really God awful things <laughs> on that particular interview. But she says yeah, something she like, said... we should make t-shirts that say I got raped and all I got was a victim story. And it's just like, completely diminishing the idea of victimhood and and i think if you could do it in less contra less not controversial that's not the right word less uh abrasive or like aggressive or uh, i don't know like less language that is meant to punch you in the face i guess you you could say like yeah like your victims your victimhood like whatever you're a victim of is really just a big deal as long as it's still something that you haven't dealt with or like alchemized, I guess you could say. So there is a place beyond victimhood that people can get to, even if they have been victimized. Like if you were, if you have been raped or if you, you know, if you've dealt with childhood trauma, you can definitely deal with that and then live a life past that and like be empowered to but that's not really the same thing as diminishing the victim story so that's like the difference of just like so therefore victimhood isn't a thing that's exactly not how to deal with it and move on into a place where you don't have to live it every day you know well with the whole t-shirt thing seconds after that she also says or i raped someone and all i got was a perpetrator story mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as if they're 
equal in any way mm-hmm. equally as frivolous as she makes it seem and like yes you get a perpetrator story what else do you get a cookie like yeah there's there's consequences for violating people and one of the worst ways you could possibly violate another human body i i mean i understand people can be reformed or it's a horrible mistake that happened one time there's also people that do it pretty serially i i don't understand where she's getting at with like the flip side of that victim story like the flip side of that coin as if both sides are just as frivolous as the other that threw me for a loop well yeah and i think that it's also just she's basically just saying like none of the surface level trauma stuff none of trauma matters like is how it feels unless that's out of context but no i can't imagine with some of those quotes oh my god like it's very mainstream manifestation culture speak it is in like the way where i just think i don't know like i yeah there are like entire people that think that 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 doesn't ring like huge red flag alarm bells for i think and i Mm -hmm. think most of the people that it doesn't ring big red flag alarm bells for is people that just again haven't deconstructed and are feel like they are missing a puzzle piece in their heart and are looking to fill that with something and don't know what that is and maybe are looking externally yeah but wow does that set off alarm bells for me and maybe it is like i definitely grew up in a church so like i definitely there was a time before i understood a lot of things about boundaries like we were watching we were watching all that other thing about josh evans and colleen ballinger and the fact that he was like a youth group mentor guy makes so much sense for his character because Mm -hmm. yes exactly in that way that they completely don't understand boundaries you know and like i didn't at the time when i was a kid either because that's where i was in you know right yeah but like also oh my god this is so horrifying to watch this woman talk about this with this profound misunderstanding about sex and power and empowerment and also just again like and and also we didn't even talk about did the they mentioned that they were pimping out the people in the cult they pimped them out yeah they pimped out the employees um because the organization like the sales side attracts so many men that there aren't enough women to partner with them to do the demos because of, let's face it that's all they're really there for is access to women to have sex with like a group sex with or whatever weird and there's not enough women so the employees have to stand in and give a great experience to these men so that they could sell more that is pimping out people they pimp them out and i really hate i really hate that the the one person that they're interviewing who is talking about how they were completely like coerced into a bunch of crap and was clearly not comfortable for this job was also like the queer person apparently (laughs) and was completely made to feel uncomfortable about her masculinity like what i don't like she said she was teased yeah she was made fun of straightest cult ever i hate that don't be in a straight cult if you're gonna be in a cult don't be in a straight cult (laughs) 
I'm looking back through our chat because, oh my god. Um... Yeah, like almost forgot. And then just the, like, I keep saying wolf kink, but I don't, it's like that thing of like, they will write fan fiction about like alpha and omega level people. And that's where you get these ideas of like alpha and beta and stuff. Yeah. which is just like a misunderstanding of wolves but it's also like a whole subgenre of kink fan fiction kind of stuff and cosplay like furry kind of stuff and it's very like <clears throat> it's also about like breeding fetishes and it's just very like i i i know there's people that can engage with pretty much any kink in a healthy way if you're going to really but also there's a lot of kink communities that have a lot of weird like not like just dangerous people and i i don't like how that i don't like and it feels like she is even talking about people like be steely well there is a clip from an anonymous person saying that she would have them watch footage of lions chasing down zebras or wildebeest or whatever and like devouring them oh that's what that i was overwhelmed because they showed that on the screen and i was like watching the lion eat the zebra in slow motion and i was so disturbed by it that i couldn't even listen to what they were saying because i hate watch because when i watch stuff on tv and again i think this might be an autism thing i feel it so much in my body so some movies like i can't watch and even some music i can't listen to because it's painful because i feel it and so it's like I can feel a lion eating my neck when I watch that happening to a zebra on this movie, you know? Yeah. So that was like very like then I can't listen to it at all. But yeah, well, so that's what she was that. saying. She made people watch that. That's terrible. Yeah, it was an anonymous person, but it was just like a voiceover. And he was saying that she would make them watch those videos to help them step into the nature of a lion and that's the nature of one taste and this is how you get your meal this is what you have to do you have to dominate and uh the whole like degradation kink thing like that was it's wild. Just... there was like a scene where she's just doing a degradation kink at the short guy sorry that that's <laughs> his descriptor but he described himself as short i didn't even notice he was short until he said that and i still don't notice because you can't because it's tv but anyway, oh, it was like a whole like TED Talk style thing in front of a whole crowd, and she was doing this whole degradation thing. I don't understand the context the you can see it in the, I watch, and right after that, a dude behind them wipes a tear from his eye. I think, and I'm like, what is the context where they're that emotionally taken in by literally, literally like degradation king porn, like weird, just, just she was just like dominatrixing for a second, and it seems yeah, like she does that, that a lot. Whole in special thing also happens that degradation thing also happens within the workplace because they also described how there was one woman that everyone targeted in that way and it was framed as it was for her highest good and they just broke her spirit for what also that horrifying story that curly haired lady told about how there the two of them were sent to be basically flying monkeys which I want to do a call. I want to do a shout out about flying monkeys. We found out that L. Frank Baum was totally anti-indigenous. So that's super shitty. And like, there could be some symbology of flying monkeys, meaning indigenous people shitty if true. And so, yeah, just shout out to like possible racist undertones of that, but not for the reasons that, uh, that it came up in our whole thing. See season one for details, but anyway, moving past that for now 
Uh, I might do bonus content about that because I was like reading more about it. But that's basically what these people did. They go and they're like goons and they the two, the curly haired lady and somebody else goes to this other person who was thinking about leaving the cult and has to talk her into staying and said, oh, Nicole is super honest. Go talk to her and share that you don't trust her. And she did. Nicole bursts into white woman tears manipulates her into staying by feeling too guilty to leave her and abandon her as soon as she leaves the tears are gone and she turns to them and says that didn't go how you thought it would what ma'am also i know someone like that and that is just like super wild when you see somebody having such an extreme emotion and it's so shallow as proven by the amount of time it just takes to flip like that's Mm -hmm. just a really jarring experience when you're like taken in by someone's emotion and then two seconds later, they're like having such an opposite emotion that you're like, what do you mean? How were you like sobbing? And now you're like, now, like, whatever it is. Now you're like acting too cool for school or something all of a sudden, you know, like. That's what white women tears are. That's exactly what it is. Like, do you remember that trend on TikTok from like, I think it was 2021? Yeah, where, where... it was like unmask and then people just drop. Well, it was specifically white women that were doing it. Yeah. It was like a song and then the beat dropped. Like you pretend like you're crying and then the beat drops and then you completely change your face. And it was really sinister. There was something really sinister about it. It And people of color on TikTok were like pointing out like this is what gets people of color killed. Like it's this exact thing. This is what white women tears are. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I also remember that was like taken because there was also a similar kind of viral thing that was about like dropping your autistic mask or like dissociating or something, which was weird because it was like you don't just dissociate like on command. So that was kind of weird, like thing people did. But yeah, I yeah, it is. It and does. It's not to say that white women don't have genuine emotionality. Like that's white women tears. It has that label for very specific reason and there's a lot of like historical background about how white women tears leads to direct death of people yeah i definitely agree i definitely agree white woman tears is weaponized and it's just all about the history of our proximity to the power of white men and the way that we have to get the way that we do have a limited amount of power and we have to make certain plays to to access that power mm-hmm. and one of them is definitely like infantilizing ourselves mm-hmm. so that's for sure a thing but it's also like um i don't know it's just so wild how extreme it can be like not with everybody but but you can see some people just like really turn it on and off in this way that is just disgusting and then that was what was described of this lady like she's just absolutely making conscious choices to like manipulate people into thinking she's either like mommy or a dom or whatever like sexually in control of them which is exactly again like eroticism versus uh I'm like losing the word. I need to find that. I need to find the word that Audre Lorde uses, but it's just a misunderstanding. It's a problem. But she calls it psychotic, like a, like the opposite of erotic. That's one word, but that's not the main one. Mm. Pornographic, pornographic. 
Like it becomes pornographic when you're not just sharing in an experience, but you're like using each other. Right. I, I'm someone who believes that sex workers tend to have a really unique vantage point of like the nature of people. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Specifically the nature of men. Yes. And it comes out that um, Nicole, the CEO of this cult, <laughs> was a former sex worker. And I would say current sex worker because this whole organization is sex work on her behalf, pretty much. It is. I mean, and at the point where you're pimping people out, it's a sex work organization. <laughs> right. But it's like she's using the knowledge that she's gained through sex work, like her experience with sex work, to absolutely ruin people and just like yeah. milk them for everything they've got yeah and to make millions upon millions of dollars and it makes i don't i, I don't want to say it makes the sex work industry look bad but there's really valuable knowledge from doing that kind of work really valuable knowledge you can get because you see sides of people that you wouldn't normally see every day sure, you sure. know yeah. And it's just she's using it in the most terrible, most perverted way possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's and that way is toward capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> Do not try to misuse erotic power in the service of capitalism. And I don't and that doesn't mean don't use your eroticism to survive under capitalism. That means don't weaponize <laughs> and think well, you're and hurt people i mean yeah you're never gonna not you're never gonna not hurt people but like this is a this is some wow this is a different level and i think she knows what she was doing i don't think this was even an accident in any way no no and which itself is like then you learn and reflect but like this is not even an accident this was a full-ass cult leader She's very calculated. And I I might be off with this particular hot take, but if you see how she interacts with the men around her, the way she touches them and leans in and like is very flirty, and then it'll cut to an interview with her ex-husband, and it's like, what? Yeah. What was the appeal of you marrying this man when you act this way with like all these young dudes all these like kind of nerdy it guys that think you're god the well, one kind of cute guy that works people. for them that thinks that she's god like and then you, you look at her ex-husband that's like was that like a power move she can't be real she can't be real with any of them she hmm? could never she could never be like real and vulnerable with any of the people that she's trying to dom i guess I mean, even the fact that the husband's on this show and like, I, I guess we have to keep in mind that it's a documentary and those those also always get framed. And so someone could have decided to frame her as an evil villain or whatever. But like, I don't think you can excuse any of that particular interview all about rape. Oops, all rape interview. That was that was objectively terrible. But you yeah. still could see how like some, you know, some documentary decides to set up a woman to look like a more of a cult leader than she is or something in general. But I mean, I do think that she just the body language like she looks like a siren like she does total siren eyes and i mentioned that at the beginning with like 
all the interviews, she looks like she just came in the bathroom before she like walked out on stage. She and probably then, did. You know, she probably did. But she but she totally is like exuding that. And that's a powerful energy. Like that's a very real, I would call that magic. Like it is. It's just that she's totally trying to get money by doing it and like also abusing people. And but but you can see it in all the body language. Like she totally is exuding it as much as possible, like pheromonally as much as possible, which is another Wolf King thing. This is all like a Wolf King thing. That's my theory. Are you tired of feeling unsafe online? Do you want to learn how to protect yourself from cyberbullying, doxing, and other forms of online harassment? Then look no further than Doxed the Podcast. Visit the website doxthepodcast.com to sign up for the Doxed free ebook full of helpful tips and resources for online safety. Plus, when you sign up, you'll receive the weekly newsletter with the latest updates on upcoming content. There are many ways to connect with Doxed, including Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Discord. Have a story to share or feedback to give? Use the contact form on the site to reach out or leave a voice message to be featured on the show. And for exclusive content, subscribe to the Doxed Supercast to gain access to the private podcast feed with member-only exclusives. Take control of your online safety and join the Doxed community today. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to put too much I don't want to be too shitty to Wolf Kink because yeah, I want to I do I just think every kink community has a lot of like cuz it's usually based on some kind of trauma. And so that's like people get attracted to it based on trauma that they probably maybe have not deconstructed. Yeah, I mean, I understand like no one wants to yuck anybody's yum. I get that. But like you said with every kink there's like a whole dark side of people that are attracted to it that aren't doing it in the healthiest way don't have people's best interests at heart don't have people's safety in mind like i get what you're saying totally Hmm. but i gotta shake it out for a second before we get back into this rest of this thing (laughs) okay all right all right well there's only like 20 minutes left but i feel like it's it's getting it's gonna get worse like i can feel it in my bones we got 20 minutes it's it's amazing what can happen in 20 minutes okay my name is autumn blank and i am here to tell the story of my sister that she was in a cult and her experience of going through that so my sister and myself we were both raised in a very traumatic childhood. Some things happened to us sexually, and I know my sister struggled with having sex, having connection, and having just that community and love because we didn't really have that as children. And so when she talked to Rachel, someone older than her who went through the same exact experience, and she said, Om, has cured it all. Of course, that's the path that my sister went down. Why not try it, I suppose? These people would tell her that she needed to go sleep with all these men or she needed to ohm four to five times a day to release herself from the trauma of her childhood. My sister started sending me journals when she got out of One Taste. It was part of her therapy. I woke up today filled with rage, rage at my boyfriend, 
He punched me in the face and split my lip and bruised my eye. At first, I was shocked. We had fought many times before, but I had never thought he would go that far. I found little sympathy. This, I was told, was my fault. I had forced him to do it. His beast was only fulfilling what my body had asked him to do. Since I was a survivor of childhood domestic violence, this was my pattern and what my body was asking for. He was only doing as my body asked, and now I was shaming and blaming him for doing what I had asked for. I looked around the room. All eyes were downcast. Nobody was willing to stand for me. I never spoke again about the other times he hit me or dragged me around. Looking back now, I can't believe I stuck through it. I so wanted to believe he would change. I was told that sometimes our soulmates must do violent things to help us grow. It was only a way to condone violence. They did not want me to, one, go to the authorities, two, have my boyfriend leave and take his money with him. And then a few months later, you know, I got a call from a source saying, yesterday I got a knock on the door and it was two FBI agents and they wanted to talk to me about what happened at One Taste. I think it's fascinating to think about people who think that if only women ran the world, then everything would be perfect. But this group, which had almost like a matriarchal spirit from the very first day that it was started, still fell into these patterns of alleged abuse of power. At one point, my sister called me. She had been forced upon multiple people and that her boyfriend had beat her and she was at the bottom of the stairs vomiting. And I remember just sitting there being, what are you doing? And this was right before she got out. And I think this was one of the last things. And I remember just crying on the phone being, why, why are you doing this? Like, I never wanted to own with other people. I never wanted to have my body touched. It all was forced and my body feels filled with shame and disgust. I remember being told not to go to the hospital, that all the shaking, the vomiting, the weightlessness, the sickness was just an orgasm. It was me alchemizing trauma and pain from when I was younger, that if I just stuck with it, I would ascend to my next level of awakening and freedom. This is your sister's body reacting to the sexual assault and the beating. Yes, yes, yep, yep. And I think the sexual assault and the beatings and I think the manipulation of trying to convince someone that that is right. When I decided to leave, I went and talked to Nicole. When I arrived at her apartment, it was like the rose-colored glasses had finally fallen off. When I told her how the organization had hurt me and continued to hurt others, when I told her it was a cult and she needed to fix it, she acted innocent and confused, shocked even. She insisted she had no idea. Either she is an idiot and so completely lost in her lack of reality, she doesn't allow herself to see it, or she is deeply twisted and very sick and finds it perfectly okay to use, abuse, traumatize, and destroy others' lives for her own personal gain. I think it's important for us to understand what is it about a group like One Taste that people are drawn to? The things that all people want, love, connection, belonging. Who wouldn't want those things? And at the same time, if you have a leader and a culture that goes too far, things can become dangerous.
Okay, holy crap. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I don't even know. I want to work backward from the end there because, first of all, no charges from the FBI. So she clearly is a very good person who never did anything wrong, you guys, because she got totally cleared. And that's what happens when you're a totally good person and didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> who does that sound like? Hmm? She was a very good person because even though there was definitely investigations, only some of them seem not to have panned out so far, which is annoying to everyone who was harmed deeply by the situation oh my god also, also again working backwards not her now writing a book on cancel culture i think every time someone writes anything about cancel culture we need to do an episode about that person because there's a pattern <laughs> yeah it's not cancel culture it's not some frivolous trendy thing she literally ruined the lives of god only knows how many people yeah being investigated by the FBI is not cancel culture. It's you committed crimes. Exactly. Or Dora, for example, or <laughs> any government agency, really. It's not, and it's not like you committed crime. It's like you don't get investigated because you were not doing anything to be investigated about. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. Cause the government does shitty too, but like, you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. So then the love bombing. <laughs> Absolutely. Ugh. I mean, it's what I used to talk about on my TikTok, mm. but like collective communal narcissism. Yeah. It's not just the culture of the cult. It's not just the personality of the cult leader that's narcissistic. Mm -hmm. It's the culture of the group that is narcissistic yeah. and abusive yeah. it's not just one person and maybe no one in the group is narcissistic but there can be a culture of narcissism and that can play out in a narcissistic um cycle of abuse a whole yeah. group can do that together a whole culture can do that together yeah and then yeah that story told by the sister of the one person who would who was they were covering up domestic violence to take money from the guy and just letting this woman be, I mean, yeah, because exactly, that's exactly the kind of person that gets in there is somebody that has sexual trauma. I don't understand why they picked on this particular woman. So the sister of a survivor told the sister's story in this documentary we don't hear from the actual survivor of the abuse, but I don't understand why this particular woman was targeted so much and why the entire organization was so violent towards her. I don't understand. She was beaten. She was dating someone who was also working there and was beaten by him. She was gang raped by other employees. She was pimped out to potential clients i don't why her i guess because it is also like when you have a narcissistic family structure which these things can mimic there's the golden child or children and then there's the scapegoat and i guess they needed a scapegoat but like it's very telling that there was one and it was like uh, also very telling that there was a golden child the head of sales she was the golden child you're right there was a golden child of the head of sales yeah 
Yeah. Wow. But I think that's what that is. It's like basically just to maintain power over people, which is part of why it's like this woman had to be very con. And then she's like writing a book of sutras and a book about cancel culture. I mean, it's really, you're right. It's not about cancel culture. It's about you harmed people. And like naming abuse is never more triggering than it is to the people that are abusive and just expect to get away with it and have it go unnamed. Like it's oh, never yeah. more upsetting. Like if someone calls me abusive, that's fine. Uh, you know, you can, you, you can say that I'm not trying to control you out of saying that because I'm not abusive. And I know that, but like, that's the point. I remember the first time someone called me abusive and it was an ex-boyfriend mm-hmm. who was actively abusing me and I didn't recognize it as abuse at the time. He also was diagnosed NPD, which I found out after we broke up from his mom. So usually whatever a narcissist accuses you of, it's a confession of what they're actually doing. And he called me abusive. And my my response to that was to be horrified that any of my behaviors could be considered like being abusive just just toward someone. My response to that was immediately going to therapy to fix myself because I was so mortified that I could abuse someone. You know what I learned in therapy? I was actually being abused. But that's what I did. When someone told me that I was doing this to them, I immediately moved to fix it. Yeah. I wasn't like, no, you're you're victimizing yourself you're doing it to yourself I'm not an abuser I was like oh my god am I an abuser am I an abuser just a shred of self-reflection everyone can benefit from just a shred just a shred yeah but I mean or you make a lot of money I guess like that's really what it's about it's like literally people being like I'm willing to abuse other people no problem if I can have some money and, and like, I mean, that's real ass people walking around. Yeah. And money is real power and people get really drunk on power for sure. Yeah. People get super drunk on people get tricked. People have this because I think that it's too horrifying to think that people could have like, for example, a lot of money or a lot of clout without deserving it because it's just like, then it's really that arbitrary. And like, so I think people kind of, feel more comfortable believing that they do deserve it and so there's this like psychology thing where if you see somebody with a lot of money you feel like it's because they're a good business person elon musk or you feel like if you see somebody with a lot of followers it's because they're you know it's because they are trustworthy in some way which can be completely untrue especially when you pay to play so it's there's this instant like false sense of authority that people automatically get in their minds when they see someone with massive amounts of money or massive amounts of like a social following it's like automatically they're seen as an authority figure and people don't really do much investigating or much deconstructing or asking a lot of questions because if i encountered someone that had a massive amount of money and a big brand i would assume it's on the up and up they're above board they're they must be doing something right or good but a lot of the times that's not even the case and it seems like the more money people do have like 
the more sketchy it is, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, I think, yeah. <laughs> so we made it through this show. Terrible. This was kind of a hard watch. I'm not going to lie. It was like, I'm, I was here for it, but this was like this. And, and I documentaries are also a really interesting art form because they are made to make you feel emotions in kind of a similar way to like a music. Uh, and so you definitely get that. And this is like, well done in the sense that you're just left kind of feeling absolutely horrified. Horrified. Yeah. It's horrible. Horrible. But I think it really, I don't know. I think it comes back to just like totally misusing erotic power for capitalism. Gross. I think it also speaks to like coaching culture. Yeah. And that I still can't wrap my brain around. The whole like coaching culture, especially like life coaching, business coaching, I could maybe get on board with because there's like measurable like you can measure that mm-hmm. if you're coaching someone through creating a successful business you can see if what you're doing is working because the measure would be the success of the business yeah. it's monetary it's how many leads did you generate what, what was your what were your sales this month and what were your expenses where can you cut corners that's all like very obviously measurable but with coaching culture in general especially with something as personal as like sex or just life like the whole concept of life coaching is crazy to me it's so deeply personal not measurable it's this luxury thing where people charge insane amounts of money attracting people saying i can fix your life i can change your life i can help you orgasm whatever and there's no credentials there's no accreditation there's nothing people just label themselves shaman gurus and life coaches and ruin people's lives with that shit yeah because they're exactly trying to target they're basically just marketing like if you know marketing you know you have to know some marketing to be one of these people And you have to know through marketing what you're doing to emotionally manipulate people and what audience you have to understand the profile of your audience. And you have to understand that you're specifically looking for broken people to try. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's, I know some people that are, that do have certifications and are in that space and take it seriously. And I think are like good professionals to go to for a life coaching or wellness coaching kind of thing. But like, they are not very common and my sense is that the culture of that entire industry is very anti not anti but it's like doesn't really care at all about certifications like the entire the entire industry doesn't really care about certifications so that's like like somebody even somebody from our like season one situation behind the scenes who I later very much consider a grifter but at the time we were friends recommended to me that I get into the life coaching space and told me how easy it would be. And I was like, well, I would want to go and like get a more certification of some kind, probably because that's who I am. I'm like, if I'm going to tout myself as an expert or something, I'm going to like actually be an expert, really dig in. Yeah. And like, 
So if I'm going to say I'm going to be a life coach, I'm going to go get a certification of some kind. And this person was like, oh, no, like totally hand waving it away. Like, you don't understand. You do not need one. Like, just break in and start taking people's money. And like, again, like in retrospect, I don't really respect how that person has been approaching things but yeah but like again like I that that was told to me like it would be so easy to just break into this space you don't need a certification from a person who's doing that you know Jeez. so anyway I just uh I don't like it and then there's like also just this the like toxic spiritual cult leader thing yeah which is really like this is such an extreme difference between this and so much of kind of our like little TikTok space that we were in. And I understand that some of those things can definitely grow into this, but there's also so much of this in the world. Like mm-hmm. there's so much of this that you could talk about because, and you can see the differences also of a lot of this versus like more queer spaces often, I think. Like I've never really heard of like a horrific cult of like a bunch of queer people. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah a bunch of BIPOC queer people that were in a cult that ended up this way like somebody at some point in the end of the the thing said um like everything would be great if women ruled the world and you can see how that doesn't really work because of this example and it's like well what if it was just not white women because gross yeah. like this lady you can <laughs> white straight lady was not it this whole thing kind of reminded me of this piece of burning man that i missed but apparently at burning man there's an orgy temple for like Whoa, that's orgy not what i thought temple. you were gonna say and it's like i think burning man's a cult i think i came to that conclusion on the, our last episode like oh. i i went into it starting to think it was a cult and i, I believe it's cult because i listened to a, a few other podcasts about burning man i'm like cult totally right yeah and it's like there's also like kind of like a sex cult corner of it too. I did not know that, but that makes sense. Oh, they also mentioned drug use in this in this uh, documentary. So like that's another part of it. But yeah, to manipulate people, drugging them specifically yeah. to lower their defenses so you can take more money from them. Somebody even said some story about how some guy on drugs they were like convincing to give them a lot of money, which woof. But which is like a common narrative to shame sex workers like you hear that a lot in sex work stories like oh she drugged me and took advantage of me and then took all of my money when I was asleep and it's like it's kind of funny that that's like that was something that was encouraged mm-hmm. in this cult <laughs> to drug the men to get more money out of them that is wild the other thing that you mentioned about Burning Man that I think we didn't we didn't say on the episode but found out later is that people totally have died at Burning Man like in yeah. the Burning Man. Is yeah, right? they ran into the man to burn with the man. Oh, I didn't even know that. Oh my god. So people yeah. like intentionally killed themselves. Yeah. That sounds culty. I thought you meant like people got trapped in there or something because of negligence. Well, there, so there's the burning man and then there's the burning of the temple, which is like another huge wooden structure that they build to burn. And people have died in there too. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if that was like a trapped situation or, or if people also ran into that. 
But I think like giant burning structures and being on drugs for days and being in the heat and probably malnourished, probably a bad combo. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and you can see how you would get some weird, like, psychosis or something from it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I couldn't imagine an orgy tent covered in dust and bathing in vinegar. It just doesn't seem very inviting. Yeah. I think the sensory issue would be a lot. Yeah. Well, I feel like I need to, like take a breather after this after this show like it was a good walk I would definitely watch something like this again but I'm just kind of like reeling a little bit from the intensity of what happened in this thing you know there's I mean and it's just it's again like there's so many of these stories and it's just really all about and it kind of always is it's like people misunderstand the erotic I mean this is a pretty like pointed example but like people misunderstand power dynamics people misunderstand and or they do don't misunderstand but just will take advantage and then everybody else lets them get away with it because they didn't understand Mm -hmm. but like i feel like i feel like a lot of these whole stories could be solved if we actually just whistleblowed when people were being abusive in positions of power and and not just like dogpile and cancel them as a human but literally like take away that power (laughs) or just Mm -hmm. like make it socially unacceptable because why would we, why would we allow that in our society that people can just maintain power when we can see what the problem is, name it, you know, like why, Mm -hmm. like, I feel like all of these problems would actually go away if you could literally just say, Hey, this is like a bad boundaries boss. And then society was like, you're right. Let's not do that. You know, let's not listen to that or allow that to just continue forever. And the police just kind of laugh it off because they were too much of a Karen or whatever. Like, let's just actually deal with the thing. If only, right? If only. That's the thing. I don't know. Like, where do you, how do you go from point A to point B besides just like, it's, isn't it exactly right to call this shit out whenever you see it though? Like, cause what else are we going to do? Except for one or two voices isn't enough you need a whole collective of people willing to weather the storm of whistleblowing because you get so much blowback for calling out what's so obviously wrong yeah that's the thing i can't i can't abide like not saying something and it's just wild to me how many people will look at you sideways for it like Mm -hmm. why is this wrong since I would say most of our problems are due to not addressing it yet. Like, Uh I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Makes no sense. And the the fact that this lady, this horrible criminal of a person, has not been charged with anything. She was able to leave the country for however long and come back and buy land and just live just create a cult commune in the middle of nowhere and she just gets to exist there continuing to do the same shit well again obviously obviously that's proof that she's a very good person and she never did anything (laughs) wrong because she got land and she got everything back that she and and no one ever and the fbi investigated but they dropped it so she's a very good person (sighs) don't you understand it's making me nauseous 
Sorry. It's giving me gas and making me itch. Giving me gas. Okay. Uh, okay. Fair. Thank you for listening. Find additional content at doxtthepodcast.com.